Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 507 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. Uh, this is Adam, joined by Jill. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm just plugging along, getting starting to look forward to some holiday time off so I can sit on my couch as opposed to sitting on my chair. <laughs> Cause, yeah, whatever works. Yeah, because vacation is now just moving to a different part of the room because we're all working from our homes pretty much pretty much yeah um what are we doing today it is our best books of 2020 episode yeah it is so like you don't even need to look at any other lists anywhere on the in the country our best books are clearly the best books so you're gonna love it um yep we each picked six just because it felt like a fun number to pick. Um, so there will be 12 total best books. Uh, as we always say, they will be in the show notes. So don't worry about writing them down. Um, we'll just go back and forth like we always do. Uh, and if you have thoughts and you want to send us your best books of 2020 or you want additional recommendations, all that stuff, you can find us uh, at Pro Book Nerds on Twitter and Instagram. And you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Also send us your Professional Book Nerds 2020 reading challenge documents or tag us on social media with those. If you are almost done, you got two weeks left, or I guess when this goes out, about a week and a half. Um, and then go check out our recent episode for our 2021 reading challenge. Is that yeah. everything? I think there's like a lot of like notes at the end of the year. I think that's everything. Awesome. Um, well, we can just get right into it then. Would Would you like to start or would you like me to? Are we working our way up? How are we doing this? Um, let's start from the, I hesitate to call it the bottom of the list, but uh, let's yeah. start from like number six and go. Okay. Go up. Okay. Um, my number six at, is you had me at Ola by Alexis Staria. Y'all, this book was amazing. This <laughs> <laughs> this is a uh, romance set on a telenovela and um, it's between the two stars of the show. I loved about it among many things. It was <laughs> in general great, but um, Alexis sort of interspersed scenes from the telenovela within the story so it would go you know kind of back and forth between the the two main characters but then they're on this tv show together and so there are scenes from the tv show um in there and oh god it was so delightful that's such just, a fun concept it was so fun it was so fun and has a very fantastic cover um yeah it was great yeah um yeah that is that i like i didn't read that but i specifically i do remember the cover that was definitely one of those where i was like oh man that's amazing so um my first one is long bright river by liz moore uh this came out i think in like january or march um one of those early months in the before times it is something i noticed a, a theme about my the books that i picked it's a it's very family centric um it takes place in philadelphia and there's these two sisters who used to be like attached at the hip um and one of them her name is casey lives 
on the streets like she's she's battles with addiction um and dealing with opioids and all these things and then her uh, her sister mickey kind of like is on the same area of philadelphia in the streets that she is but she's a cop uh she's a pol- she's a beat police she walks the beat as a police officer um they don't really talk but mickey like kind of is always really worried about her and then there's uh this series of murders that start to happen in the district and she can't find her sister and she's like mickey becomes obsessed with sort of figuring out what's going on um and like finding her sister and not knowing if she's alive or what has happened um but it's just the way that it's set up is like it's a mix between that mystery that's taking place in the current timeline and also like going to their childhood and their adolescence and like you slowly but surely learn more and more about this family um and it's very much about you know like addiction and all these different things but it's also just about like family and sisters and the relationships we have with siblings and things that i've been thinking a lot about so um definitely stuck with me all year so that's uh long bright river by liz moore what's your next one my next one is when no one is watching by Alyssa cole um i feel like i just talked about this because it only came out a couple of months ago but okay so um <laughs> This is a thriller. Um, there's like get out vibes in it a little bit, the movie. So this is about Sydney. She lives in Brooklyn. Um, she's lived in the same neighborhood, which is going through um, a process of gentrification. Uh, Sydney and her neighbors are black. And then you have, you know, like the white yuppies essentially moving in and buying up these old brownstones and doing um renovations that are starting to you know like outprice the neighborhood and Mm. and these residents who've lived there for decades and one of these um couples that buys one of the brownstones um is uh her new neighbor theo theo has moved in with his girlfriend although they're kind of sort of broken up and um theo and sydney don't really get along very well at the beginning and then he wants to kind of help a little bit in that kind of white guy way, um, mm-hmm. which Alyssa handles delightfully. Um, and they start to realize that there are like weird things happening within the community. People go missing. There is a, um, oh, like a big station that is offering to buy these houses super cheap. And they feel that there's something weird going on with that. Um, and yeah it was so good and you know touches i mean it's a thriller um Alyssa writes romance also and so the you know sydney theo relationship plays into it as well but it touches on some pretty timely topics nice what was the name of that one again when no one is watching yes uh my next one also speaking of books i feel like i've been talking about the last couple months um Ken Follett's The Evening in the Morning. I can appreciate when people see like a 900 page book that they kind of get a little gun shy. But um, this is a prequel to the Pillars of the Earth uh, trilogy. And I actually find myself when I'm reading Ken Follett books wishing they were even longer um, just because it doesn't feel like you're reading a 800 or 900 page book. I actually listened to the audiobook, which I think was 36 hours and like genuinely was like, already getting nervous when I had like eight hours left. I was like, oh man, I only have a normal size books left of content here. Um, but it takes place in the, at the end of the dark ages. And 
it Ken Follett does this really interesting thing with all of these books where he kind of you follow usually three different paths uh one of them is our main character who is like a young boat builder who has basically you know his family comes from nothing and he's trying to build himself up uh another person is uh a noble woman who is like a norman noble woman who gets brought over to england to um be married you know she gets married and like to kind of live her life there and then there's also a third storyline where there's a monk who wants to kind of transform his little abbey into a center of learning and this sort of is how all of the books in the pillars of the earth series begin like there's a um a religious person a noble person and kind of a, a poor person with incredible talents and um you originally you initially for the first decent amount of the book to get all of their stories separately and then they start to intertwine in their chapters and um it's just like this long historical fiction kind of epic journey of really i mean there's i guess there's you get the whole life story of all of them so you really you just run the gamut and it's just so addicting and easy to listen to or read and just kind of like fall into this this world that ken creates so that is uh the evening in the morning by ken follett my next one is shit actually by lindy west so good lindy writes about movies i mean she writes she writes movies and she compares them to the fugitive i don't really know what else i need to tell you about this book you should be reading it immediately if you haven't already it's so good <laughs> i i read it at your actually i listened to it when you told me about it like that was definitely one where you know so often we're giving other people book recommendations but like you were talking about it on an episode and i was like putting it on hold as you were talking about it i was like oh hell yeah and it is it's so fun also it's kind of getting like new legs even now because everyone it is december so everyone's mm-hmm. finding her love actually essay yep and rediscovering it oh my god She's just, she's so funny. She is so funny. She is so funny. Yeah. Um, Did you have a favorite essay in there? I don't have to like put you on the spot, but like. Oh God, I can't even. I I think just the fact, like I love The Fugitive. Mm -hmm. And I think just the fact that she like writes about The Fugitive and that is her comparison. Yeah. And I will say that, you know, when you're looking through the, um, the table of contents and you're looking at all the movies i was like oh she uh, oh shawshank redemption i don't i don't know if i want to read that but it was actually totally fine so you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i'm like what is she gonna think about shawshank redemption but um <laughs> i think the fa- i think it was the uh the face-off one was also incredible 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 um <laughs> she does this thing in that one not to cut you off for like she says the words face off like 25 times she does oh it's so funny it's so good um i love the bad boys two one i grew up oh yeah my brother and his best friend max who i know listens um they loved the first bad boys movie and like we, I seemingly know, I like know the entire catalog of Martin Lawrence's work, which is a weird thing to know. But I remember like when the second Bad Boys came out, we were all so excited. We went and saw it. And we were all like, I mean, that was bad, but in like the good way, right? And everyone's like, yeah. And then like, so to see her write about that one, her Bad Boys 2 one is, is fabulous as well. Oh, 
go read shit actually if you guys need to smile guys it's so good um my next one is dear edward by ann uh, napolitano which was actually the first book i read this year it came out on like january 6th um another pretty heavy book about families i a lot of my books will be sad i think i've noticed um sorry but there's this the main character's name is edward and him and his whole family go on this flight from new york to los angeles and everyone dies in the plane but edward he's the sole survivor and that's sort of inner like the way that that day takes place is sort of interspersed throughout the whole story of the other part of it is you seeing what happens to Edward after the fact, you know, he obviously becomes like a national story because he's the only survivor of this tragedy, but like he doesn't know who he is and what he's supposed to be. And um, he ends up going and living with um, some relatives and like the, the, the story is just really interesting because it's his relatives trying to understand like, how do we, convey all the things that happened during this time and how do um you know how does edward learn to grow with having this like shattered broken heart and like it's just really really interesting and you meet all these characters like these friends and these people like sometimes people meet him and are obsessed with his story and then like the people who he ends up being really close with are like you're just a person and let's just you know we can just kind of grow as friends and it's it's a coming of age story because he is young and he grows up throughout it, but it's also just like, I don't know. It's, it was very, it's very emotional, but it um, reminded me a lot of like small, great things by Jody Pico or um, important topics, but also just like very heartwarming while also being heartbreaking. So uh, that's dear Edward by Anne Napolitano. Uh, my next one is grown by Tiffany D. Jack- D. Jackson. I love Tiffany Jackson's books. Um, they're young adult. They're kind of suspense thriller. Like she sets you up with a scene and you think you know what's happening and then kind of turns it on its head. Um, this one, you know, kind of like how when no one is watching touched on um, timely topics and, you know, conversations we're having in our culture. She does. Uh, Tiffany does this with grown. This is about enchanted. She is in high school. She's a singer. And she ends up at an audition where she meets um, legendary R&B artist Corey, who takes sort of a liking to her um, in a way that um, seemed a little weird because he's like in his 30s and, you know, she's like 16. Um, And, you know, but he feels she has a lot of potential and takes her under his wing um in more ways than one um they start having a relationship and he kind of takes her on the road uh to go um on tour with him and record and the longer she's with him um the more kind of horrifying her situation becomes and she feels very trapped and um in some cases, literally. So it's, it's so good. I think I read it in one sitting, which I do with all of her books, which I feel really bad about because <laughs> yeah. and I think she, I think she put something actually on Twitter about that too, just a couple of months ago about how her, you know, like people read her book so quickly. I like, I don't think she was complaining, but it was just like, <laughs> you know, 
but you they're so good like they're so good and everyone else i knew know who read this started it and could not stop Mm -hmm. um and it's it's so good um so yeah that's grown by tiffany d jackson that's such an interesting thing you're talking about about reading a book in like one day because i've i've seen an author you know other authors talk about that too where it's like they work for so long on a book and it's both like i imagine it's both very it feels like an honor to tell people they couldn't put your book down but at the same time i imagine they're also like i wish you just spend some more time with it but i mean if you can't put it down you can't put it down it's a sign of a good book i think that's partly like yeah i don't know what it was I don't remember what it specifically was. It was a few months ago, but I feel like it was something kind of like that. Uh, total surprise of, of the year of the podcast, at least uh, you having a YA book on your best of list. And I don't, I, I just realized. I have a lot of genre fiction on my list and I have no problem with that, but yes, I do. I do have a, um... yeah, I, I didn't even realize that until just now I was like, Oh, the books I'm going to talk about are definitely not young adult so oh wait i found it i found it so it was actually in response to somebody else somebody had put on twitter what's a ya book written by a black author that you read in one sitting and tiffany d jackson responses reading all these responses i'm gonna start making my books longer (laughs) (laughs) and i was like that's not really gonna stop me i'm just gonna keep i'll just it'll just take me longer Uh to read in one sitting (laughs) yeah oh that's so that's amazing take a quick break to talk about today's sponsors. Uh, First up is our friends at Literati. Uh, On Monday of this past week, I was reading to my niece via FaceTime, which has become our new Monday night tradition. And her little sister, who is two, my brother panned the, uh, the phone over and she was still awake because she refused to go to sleep until she was read a story and the book that she was holding was something that had come in her most recent literati kids box that I had sent them and the joy that I felt in seeing her smile and giggle while she was flipping through these pages it was something that like definitely it put me in the holiday spirit in a way that nothing else has this year it was something I really needed to see and oh it just it made my day uh you know for kids it's probably a little bit challenging to find the right gift, especially if they're a niece or a nephew or a friend's child that you, you know, maybe haven't seen that much this year and you don't know what they're into, what, you know, games they're liking to play, what characters they're in, in love with. Um, but you want to be able to provide them something that's adventurous and will give them laughter and, you know, some sense of normalcy. And that's why they need Literati Kids. Literati Kids is a subscription book club that ex- that sends five beautiful children's books to your door each month, and it's handpicked by experts. Um, they have book clubs for children 0 to 12, and each club has age-appropriate selections tailored for exactly what your child uh, not only needs but wants. You know, it's tough to sort through millions of kids' books that are released every single year, and as a person in the book world, I can attest to that. You know, you want to make sure that you're finding rich, uh, enriched and engaging stories for your kids and literati kids takes care of all of that again every single month you get a box of five expertly chosen books Uh, they have themes like mystery adventure stem history Uh, they're just really really wonderful titles that not, not only are they going to help your kids continue to enjoy the books that they're reading, but they're also going to learn something too. You know, in addition to the books, you also get this beautiful artwork from world-renowned artists. You get personalized stickers and other fun goodies in each monthly box. Uh, Way back when Literati started sponsoring us, I talked about how um, Lily, my older niece, 
she loved the stickers and putting them on her books and being able to show things that were hers. You know, it's such a, it's a unique thing people don't think about, but kids don't technically own anything. So giving them that ownership of, of books, um, it gives them a sense of pride. You know, you're not going to get this kind of expert curation anywhere else. So there's gift subscriptions that are available for one, three, six, or 12 months of books. Uh, you're going to want to send these to every kid in your life. I promise you, you know, whether it's a niece, a grandson, a, a friend's child, or one of your own. Go to literati.com slash probooknerds for 25% off your first two orders and pick up your kids book club gift today. Remember, uh, no one else has kids books, has kids book clubs like these, you know, only at literati.com slash probooknerds can you get 25% off your first two orders and receive five incredible kids books curated by experts delivered to your door every single month. That's literati.com slash probooknerds. Make your little one's holiday season unforgettable this year. Also want to talk about our friends at GiveWell. Um, you know, this is the time of year where a lot of us are thinking about not only giving gifts to loved ones, but we're also thinking about uh, giving to charities and how we can make our dollars go the furthest. And that is why GiveWell.org is so powerful. For over 10 years, GiveWell.org has helped donors find the charities and projects that save and improve lives most per dollar. And here's how they do it. Uh, they dedicate over 20,000 hours a year researching charitable organizations and handpicks a few of the highest impact evidence-backed charities. I know I say that every time I talk about GiveWell, but I can't stress this enough. Knowing that there is peace of mind for you as someone who wants to donate money, just knowing that it's going to highly impactful charities is such a satisfying feeling. And it's so just, it, it's just so nice to know that the money that you're sending isn't getting lost or going to some expense that, you know, isn't going to directly help the people who it should be helping. All of their research is publicly available for free on their website. And more importantly, GiveWell is never taking any fees. So literally all of your tax deductible donations are given to the charity that you choose. Since 2010, GiveWell has helped over 50,000 donors direct over $500 million to the most effective charities. And most importantly, these donations will save over 75,000 lives and improve the lives of millions more. You know, this year, support the charities that save and improve lives the most with GiveWell. And if you want your donation to have even more of an impact, we're asking you to act soon. Any of our listeners who become new GiveWell donors will have their first donation matched up to $250 when you go to givewell.org slash probooknerds and select podcasts and probooknerds at checkout. You know, I'm saying it's up to $250, but even if it's something like, you know, the $5 that you're not going to spend on a cup of coffee because you're working from home, anything you can give is going to help out. And this matching offer is good for as long as funds last. It's a special chance for even a small donation to make a massive impact. Get your first donation matched up to $250 when you go to givewell.org slash probooknerds and select podcast and professional book nerds at checkout. Speaking of books, I also read in one sitting. Um, this is a book that not only did I read in one sitting, I read this book three times this year. Uh, the Year of the Witching by Alexis Henderson. Holy shit, y'all. I love this book so much. It is um, a badass witch in a time where, oh, man, it, it's just it's this mix of 
there is this family and one of the uh, one of the daughters, the main character that we uh, hang out with, she had a mother who is not around and she was uh, her mom was kind of cast out of this extremely religious community that they're a part of. Um, and so Emmanuel, who's the main character, she tries to like be a good person in this religion um, and like follow all the things you're supposed to do. But also she's like pulled by this like darkness in the woods that um, she can't, explain why she's pulled from it and there's um like there's all this like lore of the first prophet of this church who is like who chased and killed these four powerful witches and like it's there's like it there's it's dark and moody um when she was on the podcast she said that one of her big inspirations was the movie the witch which is so is so evident when you read this book but just like it's equal parts dark and gothic and moody and scary. It is, it's very much horror. Um, but it's also like this woman is so like coming into her own power and understanding her, who she is and like learning about where she comes from. And it's just every single bit about it made me so happy. There wasn't like a single bit of like wasted prose or anything. Like every single part of this book, you're just like, Absolutely. Hell yeah. And there's also there's a character who she has a very like, will she won't she uh, relationship with, but they also do this thing. Somebody uh, put a meme up. It was so funny. It's like they each keep trying to protect the other one, like not like one person always trying to protect the other. Like they each keep trying to protect the other one in ways where it's almost like, no, I'm going to protect you from this horrible thing. Mm -hmm. No, let me protect you. And it's like a back and forth. And it's almost like funny to a point. It's fantastic. So yeah, the year of the witching by Alexis Henderson. Oof. I read a lot of horror this year and that is by far the best. Okay. I, yeah, so we're up to the top two. I really struggled with this because I couldn't figure out which one to put one and which one to put two. These Dang. are almost kind of a tie um, because there was a book I read at the very beginning of the year or closer to the beginning of the year. And I remember being like, this is going to be my best book of 2020. And then I read this other one. I was like, I can't choose. Okay, so, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with that. I'm going to stick with that. So my number two is Spoiler Alert by Olivia Dade. I know I've talked about this a million times. I don't care. So that's what this, this episode is for. <laughs> I always liken this. I like try to like put it in, you know, like reframe it. And I don't feel bad doing this because I know Olivia um, is a fan of Game of Thrones and this kind of played into it. But imagine if the actor who played Jamie um, on Game of Thrones was unhappy with the final season of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. I mean, why would he feel that way? But let's just pretend, just go with me. Just let's pretend he was unhappy with Jamie's story arc. And he decided to start writing fan fiction, like fix it fan fiction, where he wrote different <laughs> ending for Jamie. Um, that would be what Marcus does in spoiler alert. He is an actor on a wildly popular fantasy TV show. And he's really, really unhappy with his storyline for this season. And so he writes fan fiction under an assumed name, like a pseudonym like most people do who write fan fiction mm-hmm. um, because he can't publicly speak about how unhappy he is. And so he has to keep it secret. So the showrunners don't find out. April um, is also a fan fiction writer. She does cosplay as well. And a photo of her 
um, doing cosplay goes viral and Marcus sees it and he ends up asking her out. And it seems like a publicity stunt at first um, because, you know, April is plus size and everyone's like, how could Marcus like her? Blah, blah. But no, they actually really do like her. Um, He really likes her. And on their first date, Marcus realizes that April is his fan fiction BFF. They're like best friends on the fan fiction um, site, but he can't tell her. And so it's like Game of Thrones fandom with like, you've got mail, which I, <laughs> I honestly have a lot of problems with you've got mail. And I remember telling Olivia this um, actually on Twitter. I was like, I have, there's one point, there's one particular issue I take with you've got mail after the Tom Hanks character figures out um, who Meg Ryan's character is. And I was like, you did not do that. You handled it much better. So thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> but it is, it's like Game of Thrones fandom and you've got mail and it's just delightful. That people weren't, didn't realize they were coming for a, you've got mail commentary. For oh, you content. know what y'all you want to, you want to know about my, you've got mail. I have an essay <laughs> um, <laughs> that I published in, uh, I can't even remember because I published another play and that's not like a that's not a humble brag um I just I can't remember I thought all right it was, with, it was with bitch I wrote um with bitch magazine you can find it it's from two years ago it is called um <laughs> just to like let you all know where I am it was uh how you got mail tried to make catfishing romantic so you can go read yeah. my hot take about you've got mail catfishing and know that spoiler alert does not do that that's fantastic you know well, i get on quite a soapbox about you've got that's now. Amazing. you know what i'll put a link in the show notes for people to read it because i want to <laughs> i like i'm all for it um okay my next one is uh my number two book of the year is the invisible life of Addie larue by v.e schwab um this book i wrestled with this in the one that was the first one because this book most closely reminded me of the high that i am forever chasing of from the starless sea by Aaron morgenstern where it's like trying to understand how this book came to be and like how victoria put this story together and like the threads and everything that fits and um she is one of those people for me like aaron um like neil gaiman where it like every single line she writes, I feel like it could be, I just take that quote and turn it into something like motivational or inspirational or just like awe-inspiring. Um, talked a lot about Addie LaRue over the last couple of months, so I don't need to spend a lot of time, but um, I re-listened to it uh, recently just because I was really trying to determine like which one of these is my favorite book. Um, also, Julia Whalen does the... Um, the narration so quite enjoyable but Addie LaRue uh it takes place both in somewhat modern times in 2014 and also in the 1700s when she makes a deal with what is the equivalent of the devil um to kind of live forever and the devil the way that the devil tricks her is to not let anyone remember her um and so she doesn't matter how many people she meets um, they will never remember her. And so she kind of, and she also can't keep any possessions and she can't like own a house or anything. So she's really just like wandering the earth for 300 years trying to figure out 
you know, not like just trying to experience things. And there's these periodic times when the the darkness or Luke, as she calls him, comes in and is basically like, all right, give me like, give me your soul. Let's go. It's time for you to, to leave. And she's so stubbornly like, no, there's more I have to I want to do and I'm never going to give in. Um, and then one day she stumbles upon this like just random guy at a bookstore and he she goes back the next day and he remembers her and it like turns her whole world upside down. And so um like the best way i can describe it actually speaking of essays i wrote on uh, last week about books that like stick with me and the way i said it I was like uh victoria schwab wrote a book about a person no one can remember that i can't stop thinking about um it's so good it's it's heartbreaking it's heartwarming again like that seems to be the theme of all these books that i, I read but it, like i said she's just one of those people where like everything she writes i'm just like blown away that this person exists in the same time that I exist. Like it's crazy to me. So that's the invisible life of Addie LaRue uh, by V.E. Schwab, technically not Victoria Schwab because same person different. You know, this is not a young adult book for sure. So the whole branding thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My best book of the year is Mexican Gothic by mm-hmm. Sylvia Moreno Garcia. Oh gosh. I, this is, I read it barely came out over the summer. I feel like it came out earlier because I feel like it has been stuck with me for <laughs> months. Like I still think about this book, right? Like it's one of those books like you just keep thinking about. Mm-hmm. So this is set in 1950s Mexico. It's about Nomi. She um, heads to High Place, which is a uh, basically an English countryside manor, but in Mexico. Um, her cousin has married into an English family and is living there but Nomi has been getting kind of weird vibes um from um her cousin wow I there's like a lot of get out stuff happening in the books okay so uh because I mean it's 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 somewhat similar um so Nomi kind of decides to go she's this you know very glamorous debutante um in the 1950s with chic gowns and perfect red lipstick and um, shows up at this English country manor in the Mexican, um, in the Mexican countryside. And yeah, things are weird. Things are weird with her cousin and her cousin's new family. And this book is so good. And it's got a creepy house. Who doesn't love a creepy house? I mean, what I think is so wonderful about this book is that it is a classic Gothic title, Um, but you know, Sylvia puts it in Mexico in the 1950s, which is not really a time period or place that I, I at least don't have any exposure to in, in literature. Um, but, oh God, it's so good. It's so good. And I just, it is, it's one of those books. Like I still think about Mm -hmm. months later. Um, I will, when we're done, I'm doing an interview later today with a book about with an author who their book is also like a gothic book and like a non-traditionally gothic setting it's like it's the book is set in like Appalachia and it's the same thing like I love that like split yeah that's amazing um okay my best book of the year is Hollywood Park by Mikhail Jolet um this is his memoir Mikhail is the lead singer of the Airborne Toxic event um they had an album come out this year under the same name Hollywood Park with the same it's very much like the, the lyrics and music he wrote uh, align with 
the book. And in fact, if you listen to the the audiobook, he plays some of the songs from the uh, soundtrack while he's reading. But I think a lot of times the I I don't think you need to worry about picking your like the the royal use like best books of the year based on other lists you're seeing or what people think. Like I I think it's just how a book affects you personally. And so I like my high school and college years uh, airborne toxic event was one of my fa- it's one of my favorite bands of all time and so um actually the spotify wrapped thing that came out recently i was like i had one of those like absurdly gross it was like in the top like zero zero one percent of <laughs> airborne toxic events listeners this year is actually kind of embarrassing um but this is the memoir of his life so mikhail was born into the synanon cult um his he had a brother and uh, the way that this cult worked is they were taken away from their family, from their parents, like right away. And they were raised in what is basically an orphanage. And they got to see their parents like every once in a while, but they never really knew. And when he's really young, they, his mom and his brother and he escape. Um, and so the story follows his just upbringing from them escaping from Sinanon through him going to college at Stanford and, um, becoming a successful musician and writer and the the thing that's really interesting about it is the way that it's written it's told to the first person but he the way he sees the world based on what age he is is how the story is written so it's like when he's younger it's very almost like whimsical and there's a lot of like magical realism because he's you know 9 10 11 12 and like that's how he sees the world and he becomes more pragmatic and understanding when as the book progresses as he gets older and older and um if you've ever listened to any airborne toxic event songs, you'll know that his lyrics are very, they, they tell stories. They're very much like, um, almost like I think of like Bruce Springsteen in that sense where it's like his lyrics tell a story very quickly. And so it's not a surprise that when he's actually writing a whole book, it's lyrical and fantastic, but um, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a story about, him trying to understand his life and also his relationship with his father and his family. And it is so, so incredibly good. And I am so excited for him to write more books and also hopefully more music. Um, so yeah, that's Hollywood park by Mikhail Jolie. It's my favorite book. So, so that's our list. That's our list. Yeah. Um, it's a big mix. It's a big mix of books. It is. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, you know, you and I have different reading things, but also it is, it's just like, I feel like even the books, we picked just like individually like the six you picked and the six I picked it's like there's no through line at all really so I read a lot of genre fiction I feel no shame in that I mean I write genre fiction too so that's partly it but um yeah if you look at my list there are books I've read this year I can't really talk about y'all because I read romance genre fiction and some of them are a little spicy um Mm -hmm. but (laughs) do a whole spicy episode and we've done it kind of before but you should just do one where it's like listen don't care how many of y'all listen to this this one's our spicy jill episode okay i'm gonna you know what let's talk about a spicy book this is not like this is like past best books this is a good book though um over the weekend i read a novella called the naughty list which is about santa claus santa claus i saw your your instagram story about this santa claus is a tattooed guy in his like 30s it makes sense in the story, trust me, um, who, yeah, he meets a single mom who is sleeping while he is delivering presents and um, things get very, very, very spicy. 
amazing that makes me so happy i also love that over the weekend you read a spicy santa book and i read a book about whiskey called pappy land which yeah that makes me laugh a lot um yeah no you should just do us you should just do a spicy episode i should fun. i should just listen we got to fill all these weeks and weeks that we have coming up to <laughs> figure something out um amazing other things you think people should know about anything i don't think so I don't think so either. Um, we don't have any events coming up just yet or anything like that. So just plug it along. Like as a reminder, again, send us your 2020 reading challenges and check out our 2021 one. Um, all right. I hope you guys enjoyed our best books of 2020 on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard note.